On this week's show is eBay influencing influencers, and we've got a pretty massive What Sold recap. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 217 of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and I will be your host as we cover a wee bit of reselling news this week. I've only got, I think, three articles to go over, uh, two from eBay and one from Amazon, so pretty light week, uh, but a pretty hefty week of some interesting items that sold. So that'll be coming up in the second half of the show. Um, for those of you who follow me over on Instagram, you'll know last week was not quite as busy for me as it has been in some of the weeks here recently. Uh, but there were some really nice individual sales. There just weren't as many of them as normal. So we do have some interesting stuff to go over there. Uh, also, if you follow me, you may have noticed I posted on uh, Sunday uh, a lovely picture of my leg in a compression wrap. I tore my calf muscle <laughs> uh, trying to prevent a football from falling down a storm sewer. <laughs> Uh, at 58 years old, it's no longer uh, a good idea to uh, try to start off uh, a day of sports with your kids by trying to sprint after a rolling football. So anyway, uh, if I grimace at any point during the show, if you're watching on YouTube, it's because my leg is killing me. (laughs) Uh, but with that fun stuff out of the way, uh, let's get into this reselling news. News updates. So this article appeared over on e-commerce bytes and as always I will link to these in the show notes in the video description down below. This is a uh, the, the title of the article is eBay seduces YouTube critics with special access. And I'll start off this segment by saying I don't think that this is exclusive necessarily to to eBay. This is a problem uh, particularly in like the tech review space where arrangements are made between vendors or manufacturers and YouTube influencers that leave some question about the accuracy of the reviews. If you follow like Linus Tech Tips, you'll know they had a pretty big controversy a couple of weeks ago where they were called out for essentially not being very thorough in their reviews when products were provided by certain vendors and some other stuff that was going on over there. I won't relitigate that whole thing. So the point is, this is not, I don't believe, unique to eBay and the reselling community, but it is really the first time I've seen it pop up recently. So I thought it was worth having a discussion about on the show. Uh, Some YouTube influencers who have been vocal in recent months about the challenges they face selling on eBay reported that company executives have been have started reaching out to them wanting to open a dialogue. However, this is where things get a little tricky. eBay told them they must sign a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA, before they will talk with them, something eBay has done in the past when doing outreach to sellers in challenging times. Uh, just on the face of that, I have some issues personally with that. Uh, obviously, as a, a YouTube influencer or a content creator, you can do whatever you want. This is not something I would agree to. <laughs> uh, and I'm not a channel that's necessarily particularly critical of eBay. And the following here, frankly, is not big enough. I don't think that eBay would reach out to me to begin with. But this is not something that I personally would probably agree to uh, to sign a NDA. If, if eBay wants to talk to me and... 
have an open conversation that I can relay to the viewers and listeners of this channel, I would absolutely love to do that, but not at the expense of not being able to disclose where that information came from or to not be able to disclose that information at all. So uh, for what that's worth, for my viewers and listeners, this is not something that I would be interested in participating in under those conditions. Anyway, continuing on, outreach programs to control messaging are not a new strategy for eBay. Former CEO Meg Whitman created the eBay Voices of the Community. In the company's early days, participants had the ear of eBay and they would periodically fly to San Jose on the company's dime to hear directly from executives. The article points out human nature being what it is and possibly with the encouragement of said executives, Voices members made sure to write positively about the company on the eBay discussion boards, but without disclosing they were members of Voices because of NDAs they had signed. When Voices members encountered problems, they reached out to their eBay contacts who would help them resolve their issues. So you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I guess that's all well and good. But again, the fact that you as a reader, viewer, listener may be seeing information that is being unduly influenced by eBay or any other third party to me calls into question the veracity of said information and makes it hard to trust when you're watching or listening to content on YouTube or anywhere else what it is you're hearing. If I don't know that this person is bought and paid for is probably too strong of a way to put it but if they're being influenced in some way by eBay to put out information that's beneficial to eBay they should have to disclose that. So again these NDAs to me are really problematic eBay now does have also a mentor program in exchange for answering questions on the eBay forums. Participants receive perks, including, again, direct access to eBay executives, including video chats, the opportunity to shape new community features, and invitations to exclusive events and opportunities. eBay publishes a community mentor badge on the mentor's profiles, but the badges do not appear on the mentor's forums post. So again, it's a situation where if I'm a member of that program and I put up a post based on information that I got from one of these chats with an eBay executive, but I am not disclosing that I'm a member of this program in that chat, that to me is, again, unethical is probably too strong a word, but it's certainly not, certainly not ideal. So again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can let me know in the comments what you think of any of this. If you happen to be listening to the pod, uh, you can, of course, email me at galaxycds at gmail.com, or you can DM me over on Instagram at galaxycdsrocks. Uh, while this carrot approach has proven effective for eBay in the past, it also tried a stick approach during eBay CEO Devin Wenig's tenure. One YouTube influencer reached out to e-commerce bites back in 2018, telling them he was told unofficially by eBay that if he didn't stop producing content that showed the company in a disparaging light, it would report him to YouTube or take legal action against him uh, as an individual content creator and a guy who's selling on eBay. I don't have the financial wherewithal to go into a legal battle with eBay. And again, I, I try really hard not to be overly critical when I think in, as is a case like this, where eBay is doing something that I personally believe to be in the wrong. I'm more than happy to bring it up, but I'm not out here just unnecessarily slagging on eBay. So, uh, and it worked. They said he told us at the time he stopped producing videos containing negativity about eBay. Another YouTuber told the Wall Street Journal in 2020 that eBay had stripped her of access it had previously granted her because her, she spoke critically about a policy change 
on her channel, part of what she called the company's bully culture, the journal reported. So, and again, if you've been following along on this podcast for any length of time, you know we have talked about eBay's treatment of the Steiners who run this site, E-Commerce Bytes, and the ongoing civil lawsuits and the criminal prosecutions and guilty pleas that have come about from all of that and this sort of behavior. So this is not obviously been isolated. I think the Steiners, for their part, have suffered probably worse than most people did uh, from this culture, but it's certainly not an isolated incident. It is important to note, however, that the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, now scrutinized social media influencers, which would include, of course, YouTube and probably podcasters, and publishes endorsement guidelines that explain they must comply with its truth in advertising principles. In reporting on the FTC crackdown, the register was blunt about the disclosure requirement. By fake reviews, the federal regulator means posts written by the makers of the products themselves or their stooges. That seems like a strong word. <laughs> uh, but the point is, without disclosing that fact, netizens reading those reviews may think the posts are genuine views by independent customers and be possibly duped into buying something they may have otherwise avoided. So again, that whole principle of information being passed through a third party which is made to look independent when it is in some way either outright paid for, written by, or strongly influenced by someone who stands to benefit from them. So that's something the FTC is attempting to crack down on. YouTubers, they note, have another conundrum if they're swayed by eBay's attention and agree to sign the NDA, even if they turn down any special perks because they think it would influence their content because of the NDA, they would not be able to disclose that fact to their audience who might be left wondering, again, if the influencer now had a bias. So, again, not something I would ever consider doing. I want to be able to provide as unbiased a content as I can. Again, if someone at eBay would want to reach out to me and discuss this particular thing, I'd be happy to have one of their people on the show and discuss why they feel the need uh, to have YouTubers sign an NDA um, to get information that you obviously think eBay wants disseminated to their users. So anyway, if eBay wants to ask YouTube influencers to share their opinions and feedback, there's no reason to require them to sign an NDA, says the article, which repeats what I just said. <laughs> uh, an NDA would only be an issue if it was giving that information to the influencer. The article notes that NDAs are standard if you're entering into or considering entering into a business relationship with another entity. Any seller might jump at the chance to receive those special perks or access to improve their sales on eBay, but in that case, YouTubers' relationships with their viewers would be radically altered. Uh, and again, that that statement for me is a little bit difficult to say because, again, if you can't even disclose that that is your relationship, you as a viewer would have no way of knowing that that is, in fact, the case. So uh, this whole thing is messy. If you're a YouTuber of any size and eBay has reached out to you, uh, please feel free to reach out and let me know what your thoughts are on the program. Are you participating in it? <laughs> I guess you probably can't tell me because you signed an NDA. <laughs> oh man, I, this kind of stuff. Uh, I guess it's not really, it doesn't, it's not going to impact your ability to sell on eBay if you're watching that kind of content, but it may impact how you run your business. And that to me is a problem. You should be looking for as unbiased a content and not to mention the fact that it calls into question content that's provided by essentially all influencers who, and I've said this before, who has, 
whose interest at heart when they're producing content. I, I talk about the things I do in my business, but I always preface that with, it's your business, you can do what you want, and you should do what you want. Here are some things that I'm doing that I have found success with that you may be able to incorporate into your own business and that sort of thing, and to provide kind of just unbiased information that you can do with what you will, as opposed to providing information specifically with the idea of having you say, sign up for some course that you pay me for or to unduly sway you one way or the other about a particular platform without disclosing it. Now, I talk about lists perfectly all the time, but I always disclose that it is an affiliate program with them. I do love the service. I would probably recommend it even if I was not in the affiliate program. But in each instance where I talk about my use of them, I always make it very clear that if you sign up using my link, that is an affiliate link, and the show, the channel, does get a little bit of money for doing that. That, to me, is fine. But if List Perfectly asked me to sign an NDA in order to promote their product and then paid me for it or gave me some special benefit, that, to me, is across the line. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can let me know what you think of that in the comments below, or please feel free to reach out to me by email. Moving on, uh, this article is on uh, businessoffashion.com. eBay has launched a consignment offering for luxury fashion sellers. So we talked a while ago about eBay handling international returns and that what they were going to ultimately be doing with those items was to be selling them themselves. So this was kind of the first indication that eBay was going to get into, at some level, direct competition with their own sellers. Here is another case where that's kind of what's going on here. Uh, The article says eBay, which powers peer-to-peer transactions of everything from toys and TVs to industrial equipment and handbags, is launching a new fashion consignment service that will connect users with expert sellers to list and sell pre-owned pieces on their behalf. So I guess essentially what they're going to be doing is working as an intermediary, intermediary rather, between themselves a potential seller, and then buyers. The move would allow eBay to compete with other consignment-driven apparel resellers such as The Real Real and ThreadUp. eBay will partner with longtime seller Linda Lightman, who set up her shop, Linda's Stuff, on the platform more than 20 years ago to operate the consignment offering. So, uh, again, a third party is actually going to be handling the transactions. eBay somehow is going to be coordinating, apparently, the delivery of items from you as a potential seller to this seller who will then sell those things on your behalf. There's no mention here about what the rates and so on are. I know eBay has also published an article on their community boards about that. Um, I will link to that in the show notes and the video description below. I don't have it for us today, but I know they did mention that this program was coming as well. The new feature is geared toward removing logistical barriers to entry into the secondary marketplace and bolstering eBay as a preferred destination for luxury and fashion consignment, the company said in their statement. For now, the service is reserved for designer handbags by brands including Prada, Chanel, Hermes, Louis Vuitton, but will expand next year to include other categories. So if you're someone out there who has some luxury handbags and you're not trying to get all caught up in the authentication program and you don't want to sell them yourselves, this is a new offering that should be available to you. Last bit of news, this is over on Amazon. We talked a little bit about this last week, I believe, but Amazon is expanding their ecosystem with now end-to-end supply chain service for sellers. Uh, They're launching a new service for third-party sellers called simply Supply Chain. 
Building on Amazon's existing logistics network and seller services, Amazon said that its supply chain services could help sellers ship products more quickly and reliably by leveraging its advanced machine learning and supply chain optimization capabilities. That is a mouthful. Amazon's new multi-channel distribution service, also known as MCD, which is expected to be available to all sellers later this year, can also help sellers move products from Amazon warehousing and distribution, which is what we talked about last week, which is known as AWD, to any sales channel from online stores to brick-and-mortar shops from a single inventory pool in a move that Amazon claims could help sellers with inventory management. So what they're essentially saying is if you send your stuff into these AWD warehouses, which are not the actual FBA distribution warehouses. These are intermediary, large-scale storage warehouses. They are now going to offer the ability not only to ship those things to the the actual uh, FBA warehouses, but to other online services like, for instance, eBay or Poshmark or whatever, or even to brick-and-mortar stores. So if you're a third-party seller on Amazon, this may be something that is attractive for you. Uh, there are going to be some discounts available for this service, highlighting discounts for sellers that choose to use the service. Amazon said its updated prices would reflect discounts of up to 25% on all cross-border transportation bound for the Amazon uh, distribution centers and the ability to store products with bulk discounts of up to 80% versus FBA storage fees. Supply chain, they note, is not the first instance of Amazon monetizing existing services to expand its service for business. Amazon Web Services, as we've talked about on this show previously, AWS is a cloud computing platform that was initially developed to support the e-commerce site, but has become a major profit driver for the company. In the second quarter of this year, Amazon reported $22.1 billion in AWS sales, which is a 12% year-over-year increase. And remember, as we talked about when we talked about Amazon's results, A lot of that is essentially pure profit because once that infrastructure is up and running, there's not a lot of extra stuff happening. Amazon, the article points out, is replicating the AWS playbook by broadening the availability of its fulfillment network, Wedbush analysts said, calling supply chain, quote, another example of Amazon's ongoing platform democratization, enabling monetization of incremental e-commerce and retail transactions by leveraging existing infrastructure If supply chain manages to mirror the success of AWS, it could be a major moneymaker for the company. So if you are an Amazon seller, especially one using FBA, let us know if this is something that you think uh, you do enough business that you could warrant sending stuff into their networks. That is going to wrap up this week's reselling news. Again, not a ton going on. Uh, Thoughts go out to any of the resellers anywhere near where any of the hurricanes have come through over the last couple of weeks. That has also been in the news. eBay has granted seller protections, as they always do for people that are caught up in those situations. So just be aware of that as well. With that out of the way, let's talk about some stuff I sold here last week. So as I said in that intro, uh, not a particularly busy week. I think I only sold 80 listings, which is still not terrible, but the last few weeks had all been 100 plus. So things were a little bit off the boil, especially as we got close to the weekend for some reason. Thursday and Friday particularly were quite slow. Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday, one of those two days, I didn't have a single sale until about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which is very, very unusual. 
That said, a lot of the sales that I did have were quite good and quite profitable, and we got quite a list of them here. We're going to start with a science fiction book. We're going to see a few of these, I think, as we go through. The Gift of the Manti by J.F. Bone and Roy Myers. This was a Laser Books first printing paperback from 1977. Uh, Laser Books did a whole series of science fiction books. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was at an estate sale, and I did a bulk buy of some science fiction books for a buck a piece. This is one of those, so I'm into this for one whole dollar. Had it listed for $24.99 plus shipping, and it got an offer of $21 plus shipping, and I went ahead and accepted that. So gift to them. If you find these um, laser books, paperbacks, and you're going to see why here as we go through this segment, they're definitely worth taking a look at. I've got a few of them that are only worth five, six, eight bucks, but I've had multiples of these sell for 15 plus dollars. And like I said, I'm pretty sure there's a couple more coming up here that are worth even more than this one. This is an old book I've had for quite a while. It was part of a big uh, estate buyout that I did for about 50 cents, The 40 Days of Musa Da uh, by Franz Werfel. It was a first edition Viking Press hardcover from way back in 1934. Had it listed for $24.99 plus media mail shipping, and it got a full price purchase. Another of those laser books, Shepherd by Joan Hunter Holly. Uh, this was number 55, again, from 1977, a first printing paperback that I'm into for one whole dollar. Had it listed for $29.99, received an offer of $27 plus shipping, and went ahead and sold it. Another old book from the 1920s, Human Intelligence by Dr. Arnold Lorand from 1927. It was published by the F.A. Davis Company. Uh, this was a hardcover in really nice condition for a book of that age. It was part of a big lot of books that I own for about three and a half cents. Uh, I've had this now for quite some time. It's in my 30% off offering. I had it listed for $39.99 and it sold for $27.99 plus media mail shipping. Uh, another book from that same lot. Uh, this was a kind of an interesting piece. So this is uh, was published by the an African development organization, kind of like a chamber of commerce type thing. Uh, Lands of Promise, Chad and Cameroon, the development project. It was a hardcover with its dust jacket from back in 2003, published by Esso, which is, I believe, one of the big oil companies in Europe and in Africa. Really interesting book, not something that you see all that often. I had it listed for $39.99. It also was in my 30% off offerings and brought $27.99, which is still a pretty good flip from three and a half cents. These were really cool. So I was at a, an estate sale that was essentially like a junkyard. It was, you go to estate sales, you know they're hit or miss. Some of them are really nice and you're in a nice home and stuff is well organized. And then there's others you go to and it looks like a tornado <laughs> has gone through a property and you're just picking at scraps and you know, overturning boxes trying to find stuff. And that's what this sale was. And there's really nothing there except for these two really unusual books. Ohio River Navigation Charts, one from 1994 uh, that ran from, what was it, Cairo, Illinois to Foster, Kentucky, and another one that ran from Foster then to New Martinsville, West Virginia. Really interesting books that literally were just books of maps of where the where you should navigate on the Ohio River between these two cities done by the Army Corps of Engineers. I asked them what they wanted for these books. She initially said 10 bucks 
for the two of them. I said, how about six? <laughs> uh, and she said, fine. So I bought these for $3 a piece. They sold for um, $14.99 a piece. So $29.98 for the two of them plus shipping. I picked them up, not because I thought there was going to be huge money in them, but just because they were really interesting. And ultimately, I did make some money on them. 30 bucks out of six isn't too hateful, but really interesting pieces from the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, another book from, this was from a the library sale. It wasn't really a library sale. I guess it was like a fundraiser for some school group up in Lima, Ohio. I picked this up just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the person reached out. My The first sale I made to this person actually was a 12-page booklet that was being used as a bookmark in another book. So that item was essentially free to me. It was written by someone who is pretty well known within the Baha'i faith. And again, it was free to me because I didn't even know it was in the book. I listed it at auction starting at like $9.99. It sold ultimately for like 16 bucks. And the person reached out immediately after having bought it and said, can I also buy this book and you ship them together? And I said, absolutely, I would love to do that. This is God Passes By by Shoghi Effendi, a 1976 printing. So again, not anything particularly special. It's a sixth printing, not a first. Hardcover with its dust jacket by the Baha'i Publishing Trust. Uh, full price purchase of $29.99 plus shipping. Again, I did do combined shipping with that and the flyer because the flyer weighed less than an ounce. So that worked out to be a pretty nice sale between those two items. It was essentially $46 and some change for something that I own for these books. The hardcovers were 50 cents a piece. <laughs> so really, really good deal. Uh, another book that I've had for a while, I've talked about the garage sale I was at back in the spring where I picked up a bunch of old like mechanic and shop type of books for $1.15 a piece. This is one of those shortcuts for round layouts, a textbook working guide for metalwork. This is another hardcover with its dust jacket from 1961, sold for $29.99 plus media mail shipping. I talk about these kind of books all the time, old kind of vintage machining books and anything like that, I will usually, I'm to the point where I very rarely even bother to look them up anymore. I just throw them in my bin and buy them because they're almost always worth decent money. Yet another of those laser books, this one is Shadow on the Stars by Robert Marcus Jr. This was Laser Books number 57, also from 1977, the first printing paperback that I owned for a dollar from that big estate buyout. I had this listed for $32.99, and it sold for $30 plus shipping. Another book that I picked up at Lima for 50 cents, Sissy Kid Brother by Amelia Mueller. This was published by the Herald Press, an illustrated hardcover from 1975, another 50 cent book. This one sold for $39.99 plus media mail shipping. I had it listed less than 24 hours before this one sold, so pretty nice flip. This was an old workbook. I've had this thing for a little over a year. I picked it up amongst a bunch of other um the guy, I believe, who had passed, whose estate sale it was, must have been an optometrist because there were a lot of like optical and optometry type books. This is from 1997, a first printing optical formulas tutorial. It was written by Ellen D. Stoner and Patricia Perkins. It was in really good condition. None of the workbook pages had been filled out, so it was essentially brand new. I had it listed for $52.99 or best offer. It's in my 20% off offering, so it sold for $42.39. I paid one whole dollar for this book. 
a lot of the old educational workbooks can can be pretty decent, so don't overlook those when you're out at the sales. Another $1 item from an estate sale, Back Down the Ridge by W.L. White. This was a first edition hardcover with its dust jacket about the Korean War that was published back in 1953. Had it listed for $49.99 plus shipping. Uh, got It's had several watchers since it was listed. I always send out, as you're aware, if you're a longtime listener, 15% offers on those. And someone snapped this up for $42.49 on one of those offers. Interesting book. Uh, I've talked about yearbooks pretty regularly on this channel, and I'm seeing prices really start to inch up. I was at a sale this past week where they were asking $10 a piece (laughs) uh, for yearbooks. And I was like, oh, my goodness, no, I can't make that work. Uh, Five bucks a piece is about as much as I'll go. Three is probably better. Uh, there was a whole big box full of them, and the box was still full, and it was the third day of that sale, so clearly 10 bucks was too much for those. I probably should have left them my card and said I'll come back by and get them all for 3 bucks a piece when the sale was over, but I just wasn't feeling it. But this one I had picked up at another estate sale for said $3, which is my favorite price on these. Uh, Middletown High School here from Middletown, Ohio, a yearbook, The Optimist from 1957. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think that a a yearbook from Middletown, Ohio would necessarily be that big a deal. Uh, If you've read it, if you're seeing it on YouTube, the lead is already spoiled. This was Jerry Lucas's junior year at Middletown High School, if you're not familiar with him. He was a All-American basketball player at Ohio State. I believe he won a couple of state titles at Middletown, had an NBA career. So, again, if you can find a yearbook that happens to have a celebrity in it, it might be worth paying a little more. This one, like I said, I paid 3 bucks for. I had it listed for $49.99. Uh, it got an offer of $43, and I went ahead and took that. So, pretty nice flip. Yearbooks not, are not all necessarily going to bring that kind of money. A lot of them are 15 to $20.00 which is still not bad, but if there is someone reasonably famous in them and they're in really good condition, they can bring pretty good money. First sale of the week over on Etsy, where it was actually quite slow this week, The 17 Widows of Sensuchi by Charlotte Armstrong, a Coward McCann hardcover with its dust jacket from way back in 1959. This was part of, again, a big lot of books that I owned for about 16 cents. This sold for $44.99 plus media mail shipping. Again, not all old novels are necessarily worth a lot of money, but there are some that you can do pretty well on. And here's your flip of the week, and this is a this is a good one. This is another 50-cent book from the Lima Book Sale. Very, very difficult to find. Not many of these out there. If this thing had its dust jacket, it would have been worth substantially more money. But I was still very pleased with this from 50 Cents. Sold to the Ladies, Three Girls on a Barge by Dorothy Bennett, published by Cadmus Books. It was from the 1940s. It was a story of three women who, over a summer, decided for whatever reason to purchase a barge and operate the barge themselves. And it's the story of their, I think, about three-year ownership of that thing. Really fascinating old book. Again, really difficult to find. If it had its dust jacket, the, the, the comp that I used with its dust jacket, I believe, is currently listed for $249.99. Because mine did not have a dust jacket, I went $179.99 or best offer. 
and sold it for full price. So from $0.50 cents to $179.99, probably not a ton of these out there. You're probably not likely to find it. But if you do happen to stumble on the book Sold to the Ladies, grab it. It is worth a bunch of money. So that is going to put a wrap on this week's episode. As always, I appreciate you spending some time here with me today. Uh, if you got anything out of this episode, if you could do me a favor and hit that thumbs up button if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not currently a subscriber to the channel or a follower of the podcast, please consider doing that as well. And of course, if you could share this with your like-minded reselling friends that you think might get some value, that would be pretty cool too. A special shout out to all the new subscribers over last week. Uh, last week's video, particularly on YouTube, did really, really well for me. It's clocked over 1,200 views, which compared to Mr. Beast is pretty insignificant. But for me, <laughs> uh, 1,200 views is pretty spectacular. So I was really pleased with that. And it's garnered 40 some odd new subscriptions. So I am very, very close to the 1,000 subscriber mark. And I'd really. I won't get monetized even at a thousand because my watch hours aren't quite there, but that would be a significant milestone for me. So if you're not currently a subscriber, <laughs> uh, help me out. I think I need like six as of the moment of recording here today. So that would be pretty spectacular. Uh, would make me feel a little better about my bum leg that I uh, can't walk on <laughs> currently. Uh, I'm, I'm debating. I, I haven't. Told, I don't know if I've told this story, but I, my warehouse has this really old. We've talked about that's the oldest operating freight elevator of its kind in the state of Ohio. Well, the problem is that it has not been in operation actually now for the last several weeks. As of Friday, it is operational for freight only, not for people. So I can send like boxes of books up and down on the elevator, but I cannot ride it. I currently am having a really difficult time going up and down steps. So the first part of this week coming up is going to be really interesting for me walking up to a third floor warehouse uh, with this bum leg. So wish me luck. <laughs> I will let you know next week how it's gone. I hope you have a great week. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time. <laughs>